Hello and welcome again to Tales from the Crew with uh, my very special friend and the ever so talented visual effects supervisor, Mike Lasker. Uh, thank you so much for uh, inviting me on this. Really excited. So excited to finally make it happen. I know, I know. You know, I, I always knew this would happen. We just had to, you know, it, it's kind of ships coming together in the night. The stars aligning. <laughs> the moons. <laughs> it's like 2001 with the moons, the planets above the monolith. So it's only going to happen once every 300 years. We'll all be much smarter by the end. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. Thank you for yeah. taking the time. Um, and so, you know, this is sort of outside of the bounds of uh, what I traditionally have produced, but uh, you know, I'm excited to have you on the show to really kind of get into talking about CGI and uh, most people films. don't really understand how any of it works. That's why we're here today. <laughs> <laughs> most of most of, mostly my parents they've never quite gotten it. Yeah. I don't think my parents really know what I do. What have you drawn today? So <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> we go page by page. <laughs> it's just a big flipbook. <laughs> <laughs> that we then scan. Right, 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 right. right. Long yeah. process. Yeah. But you've, you know, uh, you've drawn some pretty nice picture books, uh, you know. Well, I started as a, as, an, as a traditional artist. I used to love to draw. Um, went to art school. I always loved realism. So I would draw as realistically as I could. But as I got older and I loved cartoons, Saturday morning cartoons like Voltron, Transformers, you know, all that stuff. And then... As I became like uh, into middle school, I started to get into computer software and just kind of, you know, it was even before Photoshop. So it was like really rough and tumble software on like PCs and early Macs. And you started to see some early CG on TV. Uh, I used to, I, I love football and a lot of the football intros, like Monday Night Football had this killer CG intro with these helmets. Oh yeah, together. they explode. That's like, nice. dun, 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 helmets. And I was like, oh my God, that looks... And this was before Jurassic Park. This is this was early CG, which I think probably looks better in my head than if I watched <laughs> it now. But um, I was like, wow, that is just like amazing. And for someone who wanted to do very realistic stuff, that was like, you know, it had this wow factor. And that's what always attracted me to it is I just want to make cool images that made people go, wow, look at that. Yeah. And it was like that then to now, and it's all different forms of that. If you look at an image and you're like, wow, like how many things can you do that make people do that? Right. You know, and you want to make stuff that no one's ever seen, that almost no one can imagine. And that's what's amazing about this type of work. You know, at the highest end possible, you're just kind of, you know, blowing people away or, or creating universes and worlds that just don't exist. Uh, and that's why I like the animated movies, because you just create these stories and these worlds that are just completely original and every aspect of the frame you control. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, the doorknobs to the, Oh yes. Yeah. We've, we've spent a lot of time on doorknobs. Uh, but like I, I got my start in live action. So I worked on a lot of live action commercials, movies. Um, I, I start, got started in New York. I worked at these small commercial places in New York city. I worked there for almost a decade. When you say working there, was it, uh, was it like a post, uh, aspect or yeah so I I had three main jobs in New York I started off at a company that did uh, commercial effects their parent company was an editing uh, company but it was basically we had flame suites we had a CG department and we would do commercials for like you know depends adult diapers and lottery and um, you know high-end low-end it would basically small jobs big jobs and what was your kind of job on those so um, to be a successful artist in like a city like New York, which is more commercial based than film, you have to be what they call a generalist. So like every aspect of CG, you really have to be able to do from like modeling, effect simulation, and clock simulation to like lighting, rendering, the whole thing. And um, the most successful people would be able to do any area of the pipeline. Whereas in film, you kind of become a specialist. So it's kind of like being like a pediatrician to like like a like an orthopedic surgeon, yeah, you know, it's kind of like pediatrician. You gotta handle everything to some degree. And but you're but, not specialized, right? Yeah. Right. In the film business, you tend to specialize in one thing. It's still good to to know multiple uh, fields, but typically, when you, especially on the when you're young and you're getting into it, it's, it's you specialize in one thing. So in New York, I would basically do everything, and I and I worked in commercials. Then I did some architectural pre visualization. 
which was cool because like we pre-visit building and then you'd see the building and oh yeah like, that's really cool yeah so is that in 3d or 2d modeling yeah so my whole career has been in 3d like we um i worked in new york from 1998 till about 2005 so we we pre-vis possible uh, 9-11 buildings that went up to replace the world trade center wow um pre-vis like uh Casinos, like we previously this casino, which was like the most fun one. We had like, <laughs> that seems like a Sims game, the Mohegan Sun Casino. I think it's in Connecticut, um, and we did like the slot machines, and they had this wild, you know, Native American architecture, and it was super cool. And we'd be doing these fly-throughs, and we'd be putting, and this was like 1999, 2000. We'd be putting these people. You could buy these people that would be on cards that you could straight into the camera. And it looked like people are walking around inside. Wow. <laughs> you know, because you need like, you know, you have people sitting. By the way, that's probably pretty mind-blowing even today. Yeah, I mean, well. To me. Yeah, I mean. The layman. Nowadays, I'm sure that probably still, that technique probably, I, I, I still see architectural renderings and I recognize some of those people walking around. We used to name them all. <laughs> Joe, you know, um, I just got his coffee. <laughs> just a cycle of getting his coffee forever. Um, but that was fun. I also did medical animation, so we would we would do projects to try to sell drugs to drug companies. And then after that, I went I went back into more high end commercial effects. We would do Super Bowl ads and um, commercials that were at a movie level. Like a lot of the directors were like really cinematic. One of the last ones I did, I guess it was about two thousand five. We would do GE commercials, and one of them was this bait dancing baby elephant in the forest. And it was like all over TV, and it was one of the first projects I worked on where like people I know saw my stuff. You know, because a lot of times you do a commercial and beyond, who knows if they saw it. You know, it's not like a movie where everyone knows about it. Yeah. And we, we all, we, the team that did it, we all took a train. So we're working in Manhattan, we took a train up to this farm where it was a farm that would lend out animals for commercials. So it was like Noah's Ark. They had like one of everything. They had llamas and elephants and lions and tigers. So we all went and we observed the, uh, these elephants. So we all they let us sit in like this big barn and there's two elephants in there. And we're looking close up at how the feet moved and their feet have like cushions underneath. It was pretty cool. And just their wrinkles and the skin. And at one point, one of the elephants got like angry and almost like charged us. And we're in this confined space. <laughs> Luckily, like nothing went down. But we all took the train back to the city and we all stunk of just elephants. Because <laughs> we were in this place for like two hours sketching and, and observing. So everyone on the train was like moving away from us. And we, we get back into the office and they're like, oh my God, what, what, what happened to you guys? <laughs> um, but yeah, so it was at that point around 2005, you know, I always wanted to do movies. And this guy that I worked with is like, oh, you're not getting any younger. I was like 29. I was like, you know what? I'm gonna turn 30 soon. Now is the time. So um, Sony Pictures hired me, and we moved out at the end of 2005, almost 14 years ago. And uh, I've been with Sony Pictures ever since. So um, that was a really big gamble moving from New York to California. And what was the position you moved out for? So basically, it was called a lighting technical director which is uh, basically you're a lighting artist. So okay. you, you come in at the point in the pipeline where you basically final the shot. So my first movie was Monster House, which is a super fun animated movie. It was directed by Gil Keenan, first time director, Spielberg and Zemeckis, executive produced. Wow. Um, it had a really cool, almost stop motion-y feel. We rendered it. It was the first movie we rendered in our current render called Arnold, but it was a really early version of it. So I came in as a lighter, and we basically, what a lighter does is when every department is kind of done, whether the animation, the clock simulation, the effects, you bring it all together into an environment and you light it like it's on set. And um, you work with um, an art department that creates lighting keys, which is basically their direction as to what they want the lighting to look like. And every team, every lighting team has a lead. So typically on these movies, you have, everyone's in teams. It's a very team-oriented business. So typically uh, an animated movie will have like five or six lighting teams. So you'll have a lead and then you'll have your supervisor. So the lead will set up like the templates for the sequence and you'll come in and you'll, you'll just like a live action set, you'll set, set up lights, you'll have your environment, you have a sky dome that gives you like light from a virtual sky and you do your best to achieve the director's vision of, of the shot and then you bring it to final. So that was what was cool about that. Like I always loved color and light and just finessing and finishing images 
And that's why you came in as a lighter. That was your job. So let me ask you something. Was that sort of an opportunity to work with other departments and like kind of learn more about, you know, the the overall gist of making a a big film? What was good is a film is basically a giant version of what I was already doing. I see. So doing like a commercial is a really fast little mini movie where you have all all the same departments. So coming from that commercial background where I kind of did everything really helped coming to the movie environment. And that's why we always promote to the artist, learn as much as you can because yeah. it helps you. So I knew what the clock sim guys were doing and the effects guys and the animators. So, you know, you come in and you know all, all what those departments do really helped a lot. Um, and yeah, so that was, that was a super fun movie. It's kind of become like a cult thing. Like people are like, oh, I love Monster House. And it was a really sweet first project. Uh-huh. But it was really wild working on a movie. I mean, like there was so much going on. And even to this day, it's like, it's amazing that any movie can actually get done. Yeah. You know, like the amount of people, the direction, like directors, they, they're called directors and it's, it's a really true uh, title. Like they are directing there. You have to maintain the vision through all of the craziness to come out the other end and for their vision to be fulfilled. It's just like a miracle every time. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And I mean, you, you know, that, that's the whole thing with like, uh, you know, we're doing a, a live action movie. It's really just trying to accomplish the director's vision. And, uh, you know, yeah. curious to see how that operates on, a, on an animated film with, right. you know, well, what's interesting keeping, is, keeping that vision with so many departments. Right. I mean, we, what's cool about our company is we do big live action movies and we do animated movies. So it gives you the opportunity to work on both. And the live action are pretty crazy projects. And typically live action movies today, you have multiple effects companies working. Yeah. On. So you're, you know, you're not just doing the, all the work. You you're also have other companies doing the work and their stuff has to look like your stuff. So there's like an added complexity to it. Plus, you know, you have your, your background plates. You've got, you know, pulling keys on green screens and roto. And what I like about animated movies is we would do the entire movie start to finish in-house and you had complete control over everything. So it was really like a self-contained world. Um, and that's kind of what I liked better about the animated movies. And I felt like you have an opportunity just to, to just create totally new things no one's seen, and you're not locked to reality. You know, you're locked to a, a background plate. You're not locked to the actors. Yeah, you can start from scratch. Start from scratch. Yeah. Which makes it harder, too. So it's like everything you see on screen had to be built. So, like, I got to make this cup. Like, I got to make this table. You know, so you need to design everything. So it's good in that, you know, you don't have to rely on plates and what you shot, but at the same time, you don't have anything that's been shot. You have nothing to, like, yeah. Right. So, you know, you, and that's what, the, when the production designer comes in, they really design the world. So we work with Sony, so I work for Sony Imageworks, which is the visual effects company. We partner with Sony Animation for most of our animated movies, and there they have the visual development, the art department, you know, the, that's who the directors work for. They write the scripts and everything, and... So the, the production kind of designs everything. And it's just amazing. You're designing like a visual language for the movie. So whether it's Monster House or Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs or Hotel Transylvania, everything in there adheres to like a visual language. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you, and you have to build everything with that in mind. And hopefully at the end of it, it's all cohesive and you watch it and you just buy it. And the audience doesn't really want to be aware of it. They just want to buy into what they're watching. I think that's the key. You just don't want to have anything taken out. I mean, that's, you know, a big part of live action visual effects from what I know is that people don't want to notice that there's actual visual effects there. Exactly. Which is harder with an animated movie (laughs) because it's all visual effects. Yeah. But, you know, you don't want to be taken out of it. And that's why when we did Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, which was so different than anything we'd ever done or I'd ever done, you know, when we started that project, we didn't... It was so different. You don't know what, what people are going to think. Um, and it, it's funny, like, before I, I just finished the Smurfs animated movie, and I was talking to my manager, we were figuring out what I was going to do next. And we, were, we started working on that movie, The Meg, uh-huh. with Jason Statham oh, and, the, yeah. and the giant prehistoric shark. And like, oh, we have this movie, The Meg, you know, maybe you'd all like to work on that. And I'm like, I heard something about this animated Spider-Man movie, you know, and didn't really know that much about it. But uh-huh. It sounded intriguing. And, you know, there was really nothing about it in the press. No one really knew anything about it. So he's like, oh, yeah, sure, that sounds great. 
So I basically, I, I, and that was my last project I worked on before my current one, but uh, my role on that was basically, um, I was in charge of the team that really figured out how to bring the look to life on film that the, that we, that the art department visual development came up with. So Danny Dimian was the VFX supervisor and I was like his kind of second in command. And my team basically did all the look development and the look of picture work. So we, we would get these uh, initial paintings from the art department. And I'll never forget it. One of the paintings was uh, Miles Morales' dorm room. And yeah. we looked at this painting. And it's got lines here, dots there. A lot of it seemed random. You know, it's like we're just trying to make sense of it. Because usually on a typical animated movie, you'll get concept design work concept paintings and usually it's kind of an inspiration for what you're going to be doing uh -huh. because the majority of animated movies adhere to the same principles you know eyes look a certain way hair looks a certain way the animation is on ones you use motion blur um so usually the paintings are kind of inspire that whereas on this they actually wanted it to look like the paintings <laughs> and to yeah, look like comic that, books. that warm kind of endearing color, which is so, like, I don't know, it has such a strong impact. Well, so, I mean, so, you know, obviously comic books were, were the biggest influence, but we would look at the, the paintings of what they were after. So what my team would do is we would, and, and this goes if you're trying to create a new look for anything, which, which is what we're really, my, my uh, company is really kind of at the forefront of it. Like, and, and it's hard to not do that now after working on this movie. <laughs> but you really learn how to come up with the look. And, and you look at these paintings, you've got to break it down. And you have to make rules because you're never going to be able to make, and Spider-Verse had 2,800 shots, which is which was basically double the amount of shots of Hotel Transylvania 3. Wow. So it was double the length of most animated movies we do because there were shots that had 19 shots within one shot. You know, I'm sorry, did you say 19 shots within one shot? Yeah, so wow. you, I, if you've seen the film, we play a lot with insert shots that act like sort of, sort of comic book cell, the comic book cell idea. So like Miles is walking and you see his thoughts here and you see his other thoughts there and they're popping up all over. He's jumping off a building and then all of a sudden you see five versions of him falling down the building with slightly different cameras. So you got, we had one shot that had 22 insert shots in it. So... You know, it's a lot of work. Um, so when you're trying to figure out the look, you have to figure out, okay, we need to make this movie in a reasonable amount of time. So we need to figure out how to make this look work in a production, in a scalable environment where we just have to, at the end, you have to be churning these shots out to get it done on time. So that was really the challenge was kind of having to reverse back to all the, the CG principles that, I and all of us had kind of grown up with and having to almost start from scratch on virtually every aspect of the pipeline. So how does skin look? How do eyes shade? How does hair shade and move? You know, they're animating on twos. How do you simulate cloth if it's animating on twos or threes or fours? Because cloth sim is like a fluid motion. Uh -huh. So every, and also effects, like we had explosions that had words in them and they were very graphic. You know, so every department had its own battle to fight, to figure it out. Uh, but at the heart of it was really these initial images where we had to look at them and say, what are we even looking at? How do we do this? So it, it, it's, the funny thing is we figured out a lot of it by just a few of us sitting down, you know, next to someone's desk and saying, why don't we try that? Or why don't we try that? Or this or that. It was just hallway conversations, meetings, sitting down, just kind of being creative. And, it, and one thing I would say to the artist that came out, because I supervised the initial teaser for the movie that came out, and we, we didn't know what the public was going to think when that came out. You know, are they going to go for it? Depth of field, it looks like, you know, images are separating. What, what are they going to think about that? Um, and when I told the artist, I was like, listen, be an artist. If you come up with something cool, it's going to be on screen. And it's not something you typically say to an artist on a movie like this. It's a very liberating thing to say. Well, it's, it's kind of scary, too, because, you know, you, 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 start, you rely on certain things. And it, there was a little bit of fear in that, how do we even do this? 
how long is this going to take to render? Like, can we do this for like 2,800 shots? Um, and it has to kind of all look somewhat the same. Oh, I see. So if you want to like give that liberty to the, like what's the cost involved? Well, exactly. Yeah. So like, okay, it's you're going to make like cool about right. yeah, you're, taking a chance. I'll never forget one of the shots in the initial teaser was Miles uh, on the side of the building. And it was this cool shot looking up at him. So you're seeing his eyes and then you see the building going up behind him. And uh, the artist had this really cool outlining effect on one of, the, one of his shoulders. And it, it looked great and everyone loved it. So it got in there. And now we're like, oh, we got to do this on a lot of shots now. We got to make sure this works. Um, but, you know, the, the amazing thing about that movie, and, you know, obviously, you know, the public really went for it, ended up winning the Academy Award, really amazing, is it, it kind of changed our perception of our job a little bit. Like up to that point, because I worked, I came up, I worked on the original Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs. I had done a look development on Flint and the lead characters and Hotel Transylvania with Drac and Mavis. I was on that movie for like two and a half years. And, you know, they're really cool, but you're, you're kind of following the same basic principles. And with this, it was just kind of a reinvention. And once you do that, it's hard to do anything else. Because, you know, it, it was so stylized and so crazy and so interesting, you almost just want to keep doing that. Yeah. And it felt like everyone in the movie were all, like, ruined. <laughs> it, seems, it seems like you're almost, like, at, like part of a band. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, you guys have this, like, new riff or new sound. Right. That's, like, hard to remove that. Once it, like, yeah, it's, it's like you in, make this huge hit album and it's... Uh, and now it's in your head. It's in your head. And yeah. it's funny, like, um, I would talk to Josh Beveridge, who was our animation supervisor. And early on, we would be like pinching ourselves. We're like, are we really making this movie? Like, this is a funded, big studio, animated movie that stars a superhero, and it's this crazy creative. And we'd always be like, are, are they letting us do this? We're really doing this. And it really said a lot about the studio to take a chance and to do it. And we, we had this meeting with Tom Rothman, the head of Sony Pictures, entertainment early on and we did this uh, presentation for him and he really got it he's like i see what you guys are trying to do and just go for it and it was just the most amazing thing so then you know we we buckled down and the first teaser came out and, and everyone really liked it a lot and yeah, then we just worked our tails off and i finished that movie about a year ago uh last uh september i left the show well it seems like you know you had a concept and a vision and then executed it. What were like some of the complications along the way? Like, uh, mm. you know, in terms of like staying true to that or not abandoning that, you know, like, well, you know, it, it's tough because, you know, the vision of the, of, so Chris Miller and Phil Lord, executive producers, brilliant guys. I worked with them on like five different movies, including my current one. And, uh, you know, we had three directors, uh, Bob Persichetti, Peter Ramsey, and Rodney Rothman. And all of them really came together you, in order to get this thing done, there had to be a cohesive vision and a lot of trust. Everyone trusted everyone. And there was a lot of trust put in us and the production designer, Justin Thompson, our production designer, amazing job. And, um, but I think the biggest hurdles were creating those basic elements like skin. Uh, the character's skin was probably the hardest thing because it had to look like skin, but it had to not look realistic. You had to be able to see the character's facial performance. So you couldn't have, uh, what we would do is a typical animated movie has smooth shading. Uh, we would replace that. We would quantize the normal. So we would basically, it's almost like what a tune shader does where you break that shading into, into different light quadrants. So that's what would give you like the hard edged comic booky feel. And then we would insert uh, hatch lines into the shadows, kind of like ink hatches and then dots into the highlights, um, which was a very comic book trope. Um, so the, just coming up with that style and getting it to work in motion because comic books don't move. Right. Getting everything, and that's the hard, it, it's always, how does it move? Yeah. We can iterate on this still frame for a week or two, but once it starts moving, all bets are off. So, ah, uh, so the challenge is really literally animating. Bringing it to life. Yeah. Everything together. If it's going to work. Right. Yeah. And every department had, like I said, had a challenge and it was bringing it all together. But at its most basic elements, it's like 
you know, typically the iris, which is around the pupil that had, you know, we typically give it a little bit of a scoop speck and it's got a little bit of an iris texture. This, it was a very stylized artistic take on that. Um, and even like the eye whites had graphic shapes in them. Wow. Um, and the hair, hair, I mean, hair is never easy. And, and, you know, so Miles, the way we treated his hair was we almost created like a very graphic shape where it was almost completely black, except for a little shading wherever the light would hit it, like rims and top light and stuff like that. But every character, and, and that was another thing with this movie, is we had five or six characters in different universes who all had their own. Oh, lives. that's right. So <laughs> the third act. So, you, yeah. Not only did we have to create a new look for this world, we also had to create five or six other worlds where these other characters came from who had their own looks. So how, how does that work? Does someone just like drop it on your desk like, hey, well, Mike, here's, a, here's, a, here's the six Spider-Man look. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the art department of Sony Animation was really amazing. Um, Dean Gordon was the art director, Justin Thompson, production designer, with a great team of artists. And they would dev out paintings downstairs and get director approval on, you know, basically a concept of what they want to look like. And then we would have a meeting and they would turn it over to us and then we'd figure out how to bring that to life. And the amount of new tools that we had to make for this project was like off the charts. So not only did we have to create new tools for everything I just described, but so like Gwen's universe, Spider-Gwen, where she comes from, had a completely different look. Very, it was very um, almost watercolory, very kind of vertical stretchy. It was a very more, it was more art artsy kind of look versus Penny, who's coming from far in the future. She had this crazy neon world versus Spider-Noir, who's coming from, you know, very noir, black and white, very, very graphic. Yeah. So we had to do that as well. So, but what was good is once we got into the mindset of creating the new tools and just going nuts, it made that a little bit easier because your mind was like freed up. You know, you weren't really latched down and attached you know, to anything, it was just like, let's go wild and let's make it look like what they're designing and we'll figure out a way to make it happen. And a uh, brilliant team on our side. I mean, from, you know, Danny, our visual effects supervisor was great. Brett St. Clair, who I worked really closely, who designed a lot of the tools. And we would just sit down and try to hash things out and figure it out. You know, great compositing supervisors and CG supervisors. And, it just uh, seems like uh, communication. Yeah. It's so key on this. Oh. Just everyone being on the same page. So we had a crew. It was the largest crew we've ever had on a movie at Image Earth. It was like 800 people. And the amount of coordination that has to go on to keep everyone in sync is insane. Like, How do you guys do that? What's the... Is there a... Well, we have a... We all, I mean, we have a tracking system where you can track assets and as they move up the pipeline. But then we have coordinators and production managers and... Just every team has their own coordinator and uh, DPMs, APMs, you know, just people that they're, they're just devoted to organizing and coordinating because every team has their own jobs. And, they, and then if, if a shot has a problem, they've got to kick it back to certain departments. So there's just like thousands and yeah, it seems like asset management itself asset, yes. is just a, a huge undertaking. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that's where all these movies start is in assets. You know, you're you, like, so we... So, you know, if you've seen the film, you know, most of it takes place either in Manhattan or Brooklyn. And we had to build 150 buildings. We, we, had, we have a building uh, library in the office that we use, but this was so stylized, you know, for a lot of our live action projects. We built everything from scratch. So 150 buildings. We had skyscrapers. We had brownstones. We had modern buildings. We had area, different areas of Brooklyn, different areas of Manhattan. We had billboards and Times Square, and then you have like your street props. So we've got lamps and cones and anything you'd see on the city street. You know, you know what's so cool too is it, it kind of like, even though it was a completely different world, it felt like a Spider-Man movie. Right. Which right. was really like the cool part of it, I thought. It, it, and that's the thing, like, you know, obviously Miles and Peter swinging around on webs, we had to come up with a new way to do webs. So we've done, my company does all the live action Spider-Man movies. So we did Far From Home, all the way back to Tobey Maguire days. Yeah. And, um, but the webs that we created in this film were a lot more graphic. So they didn't have all the intricacies of our live action webs. They were more graphic and depending on how close you saw them, we would dial up and down the, you know, how, how detailed they were. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you know, he's swinging around Spider-Man type, ang like camera angles and, um, 
yeah, I mean, it was a, it was just an amazing production where everyone just hit on all cylinders. I mean, the story, the production, the art department, you know, us doing the effects, everything just, just really just worked. And, um, it's quite amazing. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, animated movies are great. And like I said, you know, I worked on Surf's Up way back. That was my second animated movie. And honestly, one of my favorites. And we had to develop a lot on that. I don't know if you've seen it, but it's penguins surfing on waves. I know the movie. I don't know if I've ever seen it. Yeah, it yeah. was, um, I mean, so much fun. And another great team. And, uh, you know, I think it's gained more of a fandom over the years. So something like that, were you wearing more hats than the you know, yeah, so, bigger movies that you are working on today? Yeah, so after Monster House, I worked uh, quickly on Superman Returns, which was uh, in the, the um, Superman movie that Brian Singer directed. And then I went on the Surf's Up, and at that point I started doing uh, sequence lead. So I would, would kind of start lighting for a whole sequence and, and passing that on to lighters. And... Um, that was a super fun movie. I mean, the look of the, the waves we had to, we had a surf day where the whole crew went to the beach and just observed waves and took surfing lessons. It was a huge amount oh, of fun. Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, so I started to kind of increase in um, just what I was doing, responsibilities, communication with artists. And then um, my next big film after that was, um, well, my next big animated film was Clyde with a Chance of Meatballs. Before that, I did Watchmen. And uh, Watchmen in, in, in the HBO show is pretty sweet. I don't know if you've checked that out yet. It's on my list. But yeah, the, uh, the movie was great. And we had just gotten our renderer going. And Dr. Manhattan builds this glass palace on Mars. And it was, um, like at that point, this is like 2008, 2009. And uh, rendering something like that was incredibly hard all the refraction and we had interior bubbles and cracks and glass and this massive thing. So I went out to that movie and my task was to create this palace. So I did the look dev, I texture painted it and I rendered it for every shot that was in the film. And it was just really, it was a really cool but crazy experience. And uh, it, was a, it was a really fun movie. But, uh, but Cloudy was, uh, that was my first uh, show as a lighting lead, like officially. And I actually worked with Danny Dimian on that movie too. And I did the look development on Flint, on a lot of the environments. Um, I think Sam Sparks, probably some of the other characters. Um, but that was really when us and Sony Animation were really often going. And that was a Chris Miller filler project also. Um, and, uh, and that was a lot of fun. And that was when we really started getting the groove on, on animated stuff. And then Hotel Transylvania was my next big one after that. And it was the first one, and it was where we defined the look of that world and the characters, Dracula, Mavis. Was that the Frank first Simon. one? First one. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I like doing the first of things. Like, I like being in there defining the look. Yeah. You know, and... Um, that seems like a lot of the heavy lifting. Well, it's the most fun. Like, it's hard. And that's... that's, that's oh, it's a challenge. Yeah. And yeah. that's what I always tell people on Spider-Verse. It's like, if it wasn't hard, and it's like a line out of a league of their own, it's the hard that makes it great. That, uh, that, um, what's his face? Um, oh, I kept, uh, you know, League of Their Own, um, Castaway, um, oh, uh, Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. <laughs> I was like, this has got to be harder than that. It's daylight savings, it's killing me. Yeah, no, it's a long day. You know, it's, it's his line to, yeah. to Gina Davis, like, it's like, and, and that's why, you know, it was really hard, but that's why that movie was so cool. And, but, you know, starting on any of these projects, it's hard at the beginning because you have to define it. It's like starting a painting, writing a book, or writing a script. I kind of informally say that on films that I work on. Like, if it's too easy, it's probably going to be a boring movie. Exactly. <laughs> and, and I feel like the audience... You have to fight. Yeah, and the audience yeah. senses that. Like, if you have put your all into something, it comes through. Yeah. In, in, and that's why I always wanted to work on projects where it was people that wanted to be on it. Yes. You know... And because, and that's another thing that I would, it's like their hard work will trickle down, like good, um, just, uh, morale and just good attitudes and loving the work works its way into the actual work. People see that. And people see it they and can they can feel sense it. it. Yeah. yeah. And it's not something you can quantify or pinpoint on, but they can sense the blood, sweat and tears. And that's, and that's the magic you can't explain. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's why, like, you know, with these with these animated films, it's like everything you see, and I don't think people realize it, everything you're looking at has gone through the design process. And, uh, and, and just, you know, I, I typically manage the asset departments. I mean, now, in my current role, I'm a visual effects supervisor now, so right now, I'm in charge of the entire crew 
basically on the film. So I'm, you know, so all the teams roll up to you. All the teams roll up to me. So I I'll, on a typical day, I will sit and review ver everything, basically except character animation, which is under its own umbrella. But I'll review modeling, cloth and, and cloth and hair effects, and effect simulations, and the lighting, and the rendering, and the compositing, and you know, basically all the digital departments. And um, but in the past, I managed assets where you really have to just. It's kind of like you're building everything for real because if you don't know much about this type of work, you, you're working in a virtual world. And that's what I think like the parents seem to have a hard time understanding when I describe it to them. It's like, they're like, are you like, what are you even doing? And it's like you're working in a virtual three dimensional world. So the modelers are build, physically building a table. Yeah. It doesn't exist in reality, but it exists in a 3D reality yeah. in the software. So you physically have to build everything and you have to look at it in all angles and it has to work because you never know where the cameras are going to be pointing at when the actual layout's done. Oh, I see. So once you build the world, then the creative team comes in and plays in that world so you don't know where it's going to go. I mean, in, in an optimal environment, you'll know so you know how much detail to build in. Uh -huh. But a lot of so times... So you'll get like a shot there. list. Right. Right, but, but you don't know if that's the end of the day shot list. A lot of times you don't know. A lot of it comes down to how prepared how, to the storyboards they're going to stick to. So yeah, typically uh, storyboards come in, and that's what the layout team goes on. And the layout team is basically the, the director works with them. They're like the cinematographers. They're like the DPs. You know, they start working with the virtual cameras, picking lenses, just like you would on a film set. You know, oh, we want to use this lens here to to achieve this feel. So it's we we try to make it as much like shooting a live action movie as we can. So, and, uh, so I was very involved in layout on my current movie and I really learned a lot about it. And it, it, it's just so much real cinematography that goes into it that I think a lot of people don't get that you're, you're making a movie, whether it's animated or live action, it's the same principles. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, so you, you typically, you know, since you're building the assets and everything costs money and the more detail you put into it, the more, most expensive, more expensive it's going to be, you want to know, you know, if, if you're going to see it, <laughs> you know, and it's always funny whenever we're working like a pencil, like, oh, that's the most expensive pencil we've ever, anyone's ever made. <laughs> that's a $10,000 pencil. Right there. Um, but it's like on a real set and I, I'm sure, you know, you, you've done a lot of it. It's like you have props, you're building sets, you know, you, you're just going to build a facade and there's nothing behind it. Yeah. You know, that's the same thing we do. Yeah. Like, you know, for our 150 buildings that we built, you know, they were exteriors, but we actually didn't really build anything inside of them. We came up with this really cool technique um, where we created a virtual space inside the windows. It didn't actually exist. So we, we had um, we had we had we've been doing that for years on our live action projects. But on Spider Verse, we created a more abstract version of that. So you could like fly by a window and just see abstract shapes that had depth inside there. But it was all just on a flat plane. It was like a virtual depth. Oh, well, so it was like a, was like a, a second layer inside. It, it of... was like it's funny. It's like Inception. It was a virtual depth within a virtual world. Wow. So you know we're not physically, virtually building the inside of that room. It just looks like there's stuff in there, but it's actually all painted on layers. Wow. So it's kind it's kind of cool. Um, so but yeah, so so assets. I mean that that's where I spent the bulk of my background in look development, where you know you, you manage the building of it. And then, you know, you, you come up with your language, like, well, how is the cloth going to feel? How is the skin going to feel? The hair. And you, you create the skin materials, like how, how much shine there is, you know, the amount of speck in the hair, you know, how reflective are the eyes, um, down to metals, you know. And we, we, we now have a very advanced shader system where you can really get very realistic looking materials. But in animated movies, you break that. And they may not want it to be shiny and reflective. They may want it to be more abstract. So it's the breaking of the physical world that always makes it harder because you have to kind of create new techniques to do it. Um, what do you mean by breaking the physical world? Well, so the physical world adheres to principles. And in CG, especially with live action visual effects, over the years, we've wanted to perfect how best to replicate reality. Yeah. If I'm working on you know, putting Iron Man in a, in a plate and he's fully CG, I want him to look like he's real. So I want the metal... That to behave like the exact metal would behave, the amount of reflection, how the nicks and the, and the scratches break that up. Uh, you know, if I'm doing like, if I'm on an ocean and it's a fake ocean, the water, like how foamy it is, 
And when we were doing surfs up, we had to really look at water and there's always under foam, under the foam on top of the water. So how much time do you spend like observing, like, you know, looking at metal or well, it's understanding funny. how light what, reflects? Once you really get into this, it's hard not to do it in everyday life. Like sitting here where I'm sitting, I'm looking at things, saying a lot of, you know, and it's funny, a lot of times you'll see stuff in reality that looks wrong. And you're like, <laughs> if, like if that was a shot, I would give like a note on that. <laughs> like a lot of times clouds in the sky look like they have matte lines around them, you know? So, but it's hard not to look You're in at, too deep. Yes. <laughs> like are we all in the matrix here? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's hard not to look at that stuff. And you always want to, Whenever you work on something, you don't want to do it in a vacuum. So you always want tons of reference. Yeah. So a lot of times, whenever we see cool reference, we just grab it so we have it. Yeah. So it's something we can look at. Because, yeah. you know, you have your mind's eye as to what you think things and it's, look it like. And it helps so helpful to communicate your thoughts right. by having a visual. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So the worst thing I feel like you can do is to have an artist go off without any reference, just kind of working in a vacuum. Because you really want to maximize how much time they're spending on it. You want to make the most out of their time. So having reference for stuff just gets them off and going yeah. Know, quickly. Yeah. So um, and, and yeah, so that's really important. Just any reference, and whether it's reference of real stuff or reference from the art department as to how they want the surface to look. Uh -huh. um, and then you know you get into like vegetation, plants, and trees. And now let me ask you something. So yeah. the, the directors, do they sort of have? And kind of like an idea of like what they see the even practically speaking like the chairs or or you know like what the dorm room like is it going to be a metal or a wood bunk bed? Like, oh yeah. And then like and then are, are you charged with then explaining to the team like how they want it and then kind of being like a so the, so the, the way the process works is the directors communicate with the art department. So the director, the production designer, the art director. You know, they get together and, and the production designer designs the world based on what the director's vision is. Yeah. So they will create paintings for chairs and garbage cans and rooms and they will design it as much as they can because the more they design it, the less question marks we have and the more direction we have. Now, once we get it, we have to build it and kind of bring it to life. So no matter how it looks in the painting, it's always going to look different once it's in a real, you know, getting lit in a real environment, in a real world. So a lot of times it's a jumping off point, but we always try to stick to what they've designed as closely as possible. I see. Yeah. So the more direction we get from them, the more effective we are. Because it's all about, you know, going and spinning on stuff. Like if we know exactly what they're after, it, it makes it easier. Um, and that was what made Spider-Verse so hard is because <laughs> everything we were going after, we had never really done before. So that was like the challenge on but, you know, what's interesting is when you have a style of any of these movies, you try to work that style into everything so it sings together. So if I'm on Hotel Transylvania and we're going to build this chair, this chair is going to be modeled differently than a chair on Clyde with a Chance of Meatballs. So it's going to be have different angles, different bevels, and then we're going to texture paint it a certain way. So it lends itself to the style. So it all just kind of sings together into like a symphony. So you can't like copy and paste from another movie and be like, well, let's just use this like mountain from Angry Birds for this forest yeah. area. Well, and, and, that's, and that's the thing. It's like, you know, one thing we take pride on at our company is we don't have it like a, um, a company look. Every movie we do has its own look. That's really cool. So whether it's Angry Birds or Cloudy or Hotel Tea or Open Season or Surf's Up or Spider-Verse, Everything has its own look, so... And I think that says a lot. When you go in and looking at, uh, you know, a new movie, you know it's going to be original, that it's a lot of work has been put into this, and it's not something that you've seen before. Right, and, and that's why I love it. Like, making, giving, and like, you know, like I said at the beginning, making someone go, whoa, when they yeah. see it, is like, I think what any person going into this really is after. But that's the thing. It's like, when every look is new, you kind of have to make everything, you know, different. Yeah. Um, so, but I mean, it's the job I have now is really the job I always wanted to have, you know, visual effects supervisor, really working with the director very closely in the production center and just seeing their vision come true and just really just kind of like conducting like a symphony of wow, artists yeah. to do it. Yeah. And it's a huge amount of organization, you know, the producers, you know, I work closely with them on like the budget side of things and scheduling and 
crewing because you need to bring artists on at a certain time and, and ha you know it, it's all like a crazy like the word production that is what it is yeah it is a production for like two years at least some sometimes longer sometimes shorter man i mean you know i think the either the first cloud the first hotel t i've run for like two and a half years and um yeah but you know it's kind of nice to be on a, a film that long it's a very family oriented um, environment with these animated films, so you you, know, you have time. You get to know everyone. You get to know the characters, and, the, and it, it, it's it's fun, and, and it's a really good just you know. It all comes so are you um, primarily with the same team on you know at Sony, just doing different films with them. You know, a lot of freelancers, or is it you know? I mean, I guess it's yeah. I mean, there are a lot of different types of hires. I mean, some artists come in just for one show. A lot of artists stay on for multiple shows. You know, project to project, you're, you're going to work with different people. You know, sometimes you try to stay with the same people, but it's really hard because, you know, that movie's starting up, they need this producer or this needs that artist. So, uh, but you get to know everyone. Like our company has well over a thousand employees, a lot, most of which are in Vancouver, in our Vancouver office. But over time, you start to get to, to know everybody. Yeah. You know, and that's, I think as a producer, my, uh, part of my value is just the, the network I have. Yeah. Of crew that I could call upon, you know, who's right to production designer, who's available to production designer. Right, 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 exactly. Yeah, and that's you know we you know we always we, we work with a lot of people. We have tons of you know lists of, of the people that we want to get, and you know a lot of people get jobs at other studios. Yeah, and it's hard. And, yeah, you know, you, and so you've kind of built up a good network. I, I, I'm not, and we try to have a like a senior and junior artist because we like taking junior artists in and, and having them grow. That's amazing. And, yeah, 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 because you know the. Uh, we have a lot of proprietary tools that you have to learn. Tell me um, all about them. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but just coming into Sony, you have to learn how to, you know, everything about Sony, you just have to come in and, and learn all the Sony stuff and then get into the pipeline. And if the show's got a specific look, you got to learn the look. So, so it's, it's to your best interest to really have a long-term relationship oh, if possible. Out of doubt. Yeah. Out of doubt. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, you, you want to nurture and, and help the artist grow. So, um, so, yeah, we try to do that. So really cool. Yeah, it's uh, it's <laughs> there's yeah, there's so much to talk about on these projects, especially ones that where you had to reinvent everything. But I mean, every project has like its story, you know, and all the the stuff you went through on that one. And it's like when you work on these movies and they take place a year or two of your life, your life starts to get broken into like that was the cloudy era, or that's when we were at Hotel <laughs> and you share these experiences with people. Yeah. And it's just like, it, it's really interesting. That sometimes is like the best part about it. Yeah, you measure time, like, yeah. that, like the seasons. I know? only remember years by films. Like, right. Like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was that smiley year, you know. And, and then they start to blur together. You're like, oh, is that, were we in Cloudy or Hotel Team? So you're that? never doing like <laughs> two or three projects at once. No, typically not. I'm mean, maybe wrapping out of one and starting one up. Or I something. mean, I... I've done some quick projects in between. So like we did the movie Concussion with Will Smith. We did this really cool effect sequence. Um, we did this, uh, the movie that you don't mess with the Zohan. We did this really cool I sequence. I love that movie. Right. A lot of hummus. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We did this. It was just me. It was a tiny team. And there was a sequence where Adam Sandler and his family were playing hacky sack with a cat. Oh so my they're, god! They're kicking this cat around, and obviously, I think I know that scene. Yeah, obviously they can't use a real cat. Oh, they didn't use them. <laughs> so we built this cat in CG, and we we matched the real cat that was in the movie, and you know we did like like ten to twelve shots of this thing getting kicked around, and it was tough because you know a cat has weight, and, and that's the only thing with animation. You want you want things to not seem they want it to seem like they're they're really they have the correct weight, they move right. And having this cat get kicked around, it was tough because it would be hard for that to really happen. So anytime you're, you're animating or making something that would be like virtually impossible in the real world, I feel like those are the biggest challenges with CG. Making because, it look like it could be real. Yes, because yeah. you want to convince the audience that it's real. Yeah. But if it's not moving like it would move, or there's just no way that it could possibly exist, those are the biggest challenges. <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, that was a fun project. Um, Worked on the Smurfs animated movie a couple of years ago. Kelly Asbury was the director on that. He was really great. And, you know, we created a whole virtual world with tons of forests and vegetation and, you know, Gargamel and Azrael. And, you know, I really felt like I was going back to my, my childhood roots with that movie. Um, 
But yeah, it, it's cool just to work on a lot of different things. I'm sure you could probably reference things many people don't know. Oh, Smurfs, yeah. yeah I, mean, I grew up in Smurfs also. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, all the, you know. Gargamel would not do that. <laughs> uh, you know, I just, uh, I loved the Gargamel design because it looked just like the one from the cartoons. Um, I also worked on the live action ones too. <laughs> there, was a, there was a difference between the live action Smurfs and the animated Smurfs, which is kind of funny. That's amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, I've worked on about 16 films. My first film was like a little mini indie film. When I was working in New York, one of the producers did this little horror film called Dead Air. And um, a lot of the, the artists were actors in the film. It was really zombies taking over the world. And at one point, the guy, he's, he's like sitting and he's watching this TV that's like showing post-apocalyptic zombies taking over. And he throws something at the TV and we create all the CG glass like flying at him. And, you know, they were like, People with their intestines getting torn out in the movie. It was like, all the good stuff. Right. It was like a really fun little horror flick. <laughs> um, but, uh, and, and your job was doing CGI. Yeah, on that, or, yeah, yeah. We did, I mean, some, some small CGI. You had some guts to it. Yeah, but yeah. It, it, was, it was fun. But um, the, I mean, the cool thing about working in New York was there were little teams. You'd pull all nighters. Yeah. It was crazy. Yeah. Like working in New York City, especially at that time, was nuts. And then coming into the LA, working in films, there, these bigger projects have a lot more support, you know. So it was uh, it was an easy transition coming from that just craziness. Um, and but, I'm sure it allows you to significantly grow by yeah. having more resources. Oh, totally, yeah, totally. Bigger but, teams, yeah. But I mean, yeah. the people I worked with in New York were very, I mean, e- you know, equally talented, very experienced people. I mean, we could, you know, and you have to create stuff very fast. So you have a very limited amount of time to go from start to finish on these projects. We, we once had four days to do this one project. I don't know if you remember this. It was a PSA for steroids, and they had this sculpture of this guy, and the sculpture would crumble. Oh, yeah, of course. And they showed it on, like, stadiums and yeah. on TV. And we had, like, four days to do this. Wow. So we worked for, like, That was a real guy that then, that then transitioned to crumbling, right? When they, he was, like, a sculpture. Because he moves or something and then stops and then crumbles? No, I, well, he was a sculpture of the cameras, like, orbiting around him. Okay. And he's got, like, this big kind of spotlight coming down on him. I think and, I remember this. Yeah, and we had, like, four days to do it, so we basically worked around the clock for four days to get it done. And it was just insane. I, I'll never forget, I always tell the story, one of my first jobs, you know, and I, I started off as an intern. I got out of school in 1998. There were like no jobs. I had to claw my way into a job at that point. And we had this one project. We used to have to send stuff out by FedEx. Yeah. So we would do stuff on tape and we have to get it out by 9 p.m. to FedEx. That was like the cutoff. Yeah. So we once, this was at my second job. We had to lay this work off to tape. And I was lowest on the totem pole. So we, I had to run this thing out to FedEx by now. Oh, that was a big deal back in the day. Yeah. The time FedEx yes. closed. Yes. Yes. So we're on, my job's on like Fifth Avenue. So the editor, so, they, so basically they had someone holding the edit bay door open. The editor <laughs> laid it off. They had someone holding the elevator, holding the front door. I'm sitting there like I'm anchoring a 4x100 relay waiting for the time, right? <laughs> so the tape comes out. They give it to me. I book. I am running down with this singular focus of getting this tape to FedEx. I go down the elevator. I hit Fifth Avenue. I'm running. So there were like a couple of blocks between my office and FedEx. I'm running this yellow cab. So I'm running it like across like 16th Street. This yellow cab. I'm, I don't care. Like I'm young. I got to do my job. I'm just, I'm running. This yellow cab screeches to a halt. I slide over the hood. Yes. Yellow cab, yes. Like, like in <laughs> like the movies. Movie. Yeah. And just keep going. You just hold it up. <laughs> I literally slide over the hood. And then I get in there right before they close. And the sense of accomplishment was just like ridiculous. Yeah. But I mean, I used to. That's run, one of those intern moments where like only uh, people knew. I used yeah. to run inter office envelopes across, um, I think it was Madison Square Park, uh, 20, right below the Flatiron Building. I think that's Madison Square Park. Run across there with like envelopes, like throughout the day, you know, answering phones. And yeah. You really had to, like, I felt like I made my bones in New York, you know, just kind of working from the ground up and. You know, I think that's just the best way to do it. Now people just email it over. <laughs> <laughs> like, I got like, a like, I had a phone back there counting my steps. I'd have like 10 miles a day at least. Um, but yeah, it was like literally pounding the pavement, you know, at the beginning. But you got to kind of know the world. Yeah. You knew the players and met how the system works. Well, you know, when I got out of school, it, it was right when, when Jurassic Park happened. 
that changed everything, right? It made everyone want to go into this business. So yeah. like, everyone graduated like around like when I got out of school, it was like an influx of people. So there's a, a conference called SIGGRAPH that is every summer. And they, they did it in um, I guess it was in Orlando that year. And I got out of school thinking that ILM was gonna hire me. And I get out there and there are just lines of people on the job fair lines. And I was like, oh my God, I had no idea. And I sent out like 75 demo reels and they all got rejected. Like every oh, so you to even get an internship, you had to submit a demo reel. Oh yeah, like anything. And a lot of people that I work with now, they've like framed their rejection letters. Like, <laughs> I but like I remember forget I had 75 big envelope panned envelopes laid out on my parents' floor. I had my VHS demo reel, my resume, and like they all got rejected. So like I got my first internship in New York and I just had to get in there and not paid. I didn't get paid for the first 10 months of my career at this job and uh, had to claw my way in and start working. And I started, I became like a full-time freelancer. So I'd be there, they'd pay me to work on jobs and I slowly learned the business. Yeah. Uh, but it was pretty crazy back then. It was much different than it is now. Like, everything was just really hard. I was, I was a uh, production assistant at that time. And I remember having uh, uh, a beeper. You know, the assistant would like message me on the beeper right, system. Right, right. And, like, hey, go pick up this. Screw oh, yeah. You know, I had I had a beeper at a couple of old jobs. Yeah, I, yeah, you just wait for that beep to come in. You're like, All right, time to go pick this up. <laughs> right. It's like Devil Wears Prada. Like, you're just getting the call from, um, you know, what's her, Anna Winter. Um, so, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. But, you know, I always loved the work. And, it, and you have to have a passion in this business yeah. to do it. you got to love it. You can't yeah. not love it because it's it's hard. Like everything in CG is hard, even the easy stuff. Well, you know, you know, kind of the way uh, I look at it, uh, and it seems the same way you do too. Is like it's almost like a, uh, you're trying to master a craft, mm -hmm. and you can never really master it because right. you just keep growing and learning and, well, and, and appreciating the craft. And the software that we use is so complex and is so there's so much depth to it. You, it's so hard to learn every aspect of it. So I mean, we use the same software to animate. To do cloth simulation, there are different, you know, totally different areas of. I'm sure software. everyone's approach to it. You right. kind of learn something based off of like how they approach it. Well, and you always bring something. And at these bigger companies, you try to adhere to a certain system. So kind of everyone does things a certain way, and that's set up by the leads and the supervisors. You know, like I said before, it's like you have to scale this thing up to work at a full movie level. So it ha everything has to be humming like an engine, you know, for it to for it to go smoothly. But, um, but yeah, I mean, Imageworks has been great, you know, a variety of projects, um, you know, with Sony Animation, you know, doing all their work. It's, um, and just the amount of creativity going on now, you know, all the different new shows coming in are really interesting. Yeah. I mean, so, you want to, can you tell us about the new show? Uh, that... You know what? I, I don't think I can really say anything. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Um, yeah. I, I mean, Fair enough. but yeah. I'm, uh, yeah, like, it's five years later. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> Uh, our, our director, uh, Mike Rand and Jeff Rowe, they were creative directors, writers on Gravity Falls, which is an animated show. Um, so they're the directors. I'm working with Chris Miller and Phil Lord again. Amazing. Super creative guys. Yeah. And that's pretty much all I can say. Yeah. And is there, is there anything like uh, in your career where um, like you have a, a plan to direct something on your own? You know, I, I, you know, in the past, I've tried to develop projects on the side. Like I always envision myself as maybe either like being a producer or, you know, Directing, directing a director is really hard, you know. And it's, it's, I don't like directing; it's <laughs> so much pressure. I mean, I mean, I could definitely maybe see that in the future. Yeah, you know, especially in an animated film where I think it's good knowing how to get it done. Yeah, I think it would be like a really good thing for a director to know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so I think there's definitely potential there. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, I definitely want to grow as a VFX supervisor, work on a variety of projects, and then we'll just see where things go. Uh, but it's definitely the job I always wanted to have. Yeah. So that's what Sounds like your plate is so full now. Oh, God. <laughs> I mean, it's like every aspect of my day is scheduled. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I come home on the weekend and I just want to just lay on the couch and do almost nothing. I can imagine. Um, yeah. And then, yeah, I, you know, I'm going up to Vancouver in two weeks. I spend time up there at a Vancouver office, meet all the artists up there, which is funny because a lot of – you're typically working with them either over a video screen or over audio – so when you go up there, it's like you're meeting actors you've only seen on TV. So yeah, so that must be so amazing. Yeah, I'm like, oh my god, it's so much different than what I thought. <laughs> uh, but it's great going up there, and meeting the team, and you know, it helps create like a, a team unity. Yeah, you know, like 
yeah. making more cookies. So. Yeah. But yeah, I mean, so yeah, I'm really excited for my new project and, um, you know, Spider-Verse really helped, I think uh, it helped a lot of growth with the company. Um, and it was really... I can tell you, like, as a fan, it was, like, such a breath of fresh air and, like, mm. see just this amazing, masterful film. And, you know, it also had a lot of effect on people. It which, did. Which is amazing. Yeah. You know, and now that Halloween came out, seeing all the Miles and Peter costumes, like... It was How really, cool is that? Yeah, especially all, like, the... There's all, like, the uh, the dads over 40 dressing like Peter with the sweatpants and, <laughs> you know, the mismatched shoes. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, you know, we'll see what the future brings. Very cool. But, but thank you for uh, having me on this. Oh my God. It's my honor. <laughs> my pleasure. Right. My goodness. And I have to yeah. say. We could talk about the three hours. I mean, there's so much depth. And I have to tell you, you pull off the vest over the short sleeve shirt better than anyone I've seen. Like it's a total LA style. I, you know, the, like. I the, appreciate you saying the that. The short sleeve with the vest. Um. I've tried, I've gotten ridiculed a little bit, <laughs> but like, it's comfortable. You know I did not see that going there. I was like, you're like, you know, you're movies, you're, <laughs> but I'll take that yeah, because, yeah. because that was like, and I'll tell you, I've always wanted a vest, like one of the Patagonias that, bumped, you know, it's like, they're like so cool. I never, yeah. growing up in Louisiana, you know, my time, we didn't, you know, wasn't like a Patagonia place. <laughs> so when I did get it, I was like, I'm never taking this thing off. Right. It's the greatest well, thing ever. Well, it your core warm and your arms cool. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I, didn't I feel like it's my number one go-to. Yeah. So I mean, I think vest with short sleeves is, is an adequate It's thing. the it's perfect acceptable. thing to wear in L.A. Right. But if you're not from L.A., I don't think you get it. And all the, yeah, I would get ridiculed by people in the cold weather. Because it works for like two yes. months out of the year. So else. Just wanted to let you know that before we uh, yeah, yeah. close that. Now you made it official. Yes. <laughs> Well, thank you again, and uh, guys, this is another episode of Tales from the Crew.